Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode here at the Sobriety University Podcast. Really excited for this one today. We have my good friend and brother, Ricky Goodall. Welcome to the channel, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joel. I'm excited for this. So for you guys that don't know, Ricky and I, we met through Sober Living Coaching. Uh, he reached out. He was looking to quit marijuana, and he did just that. And so today is going to be a little bit about your journey and how you quit weed, what uh, some of the you know trials, tribulations, and then this very interesting thing you share with me called high magic, mm-hmm. which uh, is ironic for this topic. So uh, Ricky, why don't we start with uh, who you are and uh, what got you into marijuana? Where did your journey begin? Yeah, so I, I, I like to inter- introduce myself by saying my name is Ricky Goodall, but that's not really who I am. That's just an identity or a character that I created at birth so I could be loved and accepted by the people around me. And I continue to create that identity since birth. And I started to believe that that's really who I am. All the beliefs, all the perspectives, all the opinions, all the accomplishments and the achievements and the failures and the successes. And I associated all of those with this character I've created. And I've learned throughout my life that that's not really who I am. I'm something more than that. I'm something more than this character. And so as part of my character, I became a mixed martial arts fighter uh, in 2006. And I went through 21 MMA fights in my fighting career. I went from being jobless and homeless to kind of manifesting a fighting career. And then within six years, I was fighting for pay-per-view television, for world championships in front of thousands of fans. And as my career started to take off, I started to get into heavy drugs and alcohol, drugs like cocaine and ecstasy and MDMA and alcohol. And I was just chasing that fast, fast pace, fast high, whatever, getting high in whatever way I can. So in 2015, I, I was initiated into ceremonial high magic, which, which we're going to talk about soon. And I walked away from alcohol and heavy drugs, but I found it difficult to find some way to maintain that high that I used to get from martial arts and mixed martial arts and from drugs. So I went to cannabis. And cannabis almost became this supplement to this mixed martial arts party lifestyle. And I was really grateful for it for a while. So you and I have talked about it. It's like, it's great until it's not great anymore. And and it was great for a while. And I'm really grateful for it because it was this landing pad or this, this like way of getting off of these heavier, more intense lifestyle habits. But then eventually it just became an issue. Yeah, man. You know, sports is, can be really powerful for getting that high. I know that it's funny because that's exactly why I got into marijuana, too, is because I was getting so much validation and recognition from from sports in high school. And then that ended. And I was like, who am I? Who am I without these sports? Who am I without this, uh, you know, those endorphins going crazy every single day? Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, you you, you started smoking and, and what kind of transcended from there? Like. You know, actually, let me backtrack. When I was in my fighting career, I started smoking cannabis with a girlfriend. Mm, and, okay. and, and at that time, I'd used cannabis before that. I'd use it when I was a teenager. I used it in another relationship, but I didn't have as much fun with it as her and I did. So we would smoke cannabis. We would eat a shit ton of junk food. She was a fitness model. I was an MMA fighter. I was an athlete. We just went crazy with it. And cannabis was this way of making junk food even more intense and, you know, accentuated the flavors. And and so her and I kind of went from there. And uh, and so I sort of associated using cannabis not only with this feeling of being high, but also also this feeling of connection. Hmm. And I learned that THC and cannabis kind of mimics in the nervous system, it mimics the feeling of being connected to somebody even when I'm not. And the challenge with it is since I'm not actually getting my needs met, I'm still kind of empty even though the cannabis is creating this supplementary experience of being connected. 
Yeah, man, it's uh, it's interesting you say that. Like for me, it was the same, like very similar. Where it, it, it does raise your vibration a bit at the beginning. Uh, it mm-hmm. does tap you into a different level of consciousness. However, as we talk, like that doesn't last forever. And mm-hmm. as you as you can tell, it, it didn't. So, um, yeah, continue on, continue on with. Yeah, I, I love the title of the video because it's almost like a play on words. I don't know if you did this on purpose, but the last time I got high was why I quit cannabis. And so in the, in the title, you say, you know, how, how getting high helped Ricky quit cannabis. And it was actually because the last time I got high, which I told you this story, uh, you and I had been working together for almost two weeks at that point. And I, we, were, we were on a plan to help me cut down slowly. And then eventually you said, you know, you're going to have to go to cold turkey at some point. But, you know, it's better to wean off slowly. And, and what's, the, what's that? What do you call uh, that? Slow technique? and steady. Yep. Slow and steady. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's just kind of like coming off of it. And so a friend had a bong. And I have very little experience with a bong. And he gave it to me and he gave me the weed and he said, just go ahead and you know, help yourself. And so I didn't really know how much to put in the, 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 uh, the bowl or whatever you call it. And, and so I took a hit on this bong and I got higher than I've ever been in my whole life. And I was like so high that I was afraid to be alone. I didn't want this guy to leave. <laughs> it's like, we used to, <laughs> I was renting his Airbnb and I was like, Ugh, like I was clinging on, I was like, please don't leave. And so I was like, at one point I was getting dizzy and I needed to get some fresh air. So we went outside and I was leaning against my car. And the next thing I know, I woke up on the ground. I cut my knee open. I literally passed out well high on weed and, and, and I hit a bunch of gravel. So I literally hit rock bottom. You know, it's like, it was crazy. And the, the interesting thing is while I was passed out, I had this like vision, I guess I might call it, or this experience where God was talking to me and saying, if you keep using cannabis, I'm going to take everything from you. And while I was in this experience, I lost everything because I lost my consciousness. So I'd lost everything. And so I had this realization like, wow, it's time to let this go. Mm. And then from that point forward, I had to get up six hours later for a flight to here in Mexico, my home. And I couldn't sleep all night because I was so high and I barely slept. And then I traveled all day long and I was just exhausted the whole day of traveling. And it was just, it was the experience I think I needed. Mm. And uh, I sometimes say that you know, the universe kind of first throws a pebble at me. And if I don't get the hint, it throws a rock at me, then it throws a brick and then it throws a boulder. And I don't know if that was the boulder, but it was definitely felt like a brick because oh, it hit me, it hit me hard. It was embarrassing. This guy was a kind of a friend, but also kind of a client too. So Ooh, it was okay. like kind of a friend and client. And, and I literally passed out in front of it. I get, I've never passed out with weed before. So I've heard, I looked it up afterwards and, you know, heard that it can happen or, our blood pressure drops and then we just kind of pass out. But it was embarrassing because this guy's like, he's shaking me and he's saying, Ricky, Ricky, you passed out, wake up. And I'm like, what? And I have my sling on and maybe we'll talk about that later. But I, I had surgery only two weeks before. So thankfully I didn't hurt my arm because mm-hmm. I might've had to go back into surgery again in Canada if I hadn't, if I had have hurt myself. Right. Wow, dude. And then, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to come to Mexico. Like that's, that's wild, dude. It's, it, it's, it's like a beautiful thing that happened when, when you told me, I'm like, this is a good thing. And we both recognized mm-hmm. it. Um, when I was smoking too, I had a rock bottom moment where, yeah, God said like, God, universe, higher power, Buddha, Jesus, whatever, whoever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. um, he's like, Hey man, you've had nine lives and you're on 8.5 <laughs> yeah, and this yeah. is it. And next time you ain't getting away with this one. Um, because I was like, uh, I was smoking in, in a public place and uh, some police came and they, I was in my car. Uh, I had a little bowl and a, and a grinder or whatever. Thankfully, I didn't have like I was selling at the time. So thankfully, I wasn't in 
dumb and brought like a pound of weed or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have sprayed the osium spray, which helps with the smell. So the cop comes, he's like, hey, man, like, you know, you can't be here. I'm going to write you a warning because uh, he didn't smell the weed. He hands me the ticket. I turn to he turns to walk away, and this is after like 15 minutes of him going to his car and writing the ticket. He goes, "Is that weed?" I'm just like, no way. Like he was literally about to leave, and it was in that moment where I realized, like, okay, I'm out of, I'm not getting away anymore. And that's when I quit too. So, you know, rock bottom guys, if you're watching and you're having maybe a rock bottom moment, or you think one is approaching, like the sooner you can stop, the you might not have to experience that if you can you know, learn the lesson. Now, Ricky, yeah. do you think, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, it's just interesting. It wasn't my first rock bottom though. I think I told you this. I, I was in Nocera, Costa Rica during COVID. And one day I was driving my motorcycle and I just bought this cheap motorcycle for like $300. And when I bought it, the back tire was completely bald. And oh. multiple people had told me like, you better change that tire because it rains in Costa Rica regularly. And I was in Nocera, rains regularly. And they're like, that's not going to survive the rain like you're gonna you're gonna get an accident so it turns out there was a mechanic right beside where i was living and so i pull in the mechanic i get it priced to switch the tire they said ten dollars ten dollars for the price of the tire and to switch it and they're like we can do it right now we'll do it right now for you but i wanted to go home and smoke weed so i'm like ah no we'll do it later and so as i'm pulling off the road i'm not really paying attention because i'm high and there's a motorcycle coming so i have to like give it gas to fly across the road so the motorcycle doesn't hit me. But then I'm moving right toward a ditch. So then I had to dump the bike. I burnt my leg pretty badly and then had almost $100 in damages, $90 in damages to the bike. <laughs> so literally, and then here's, that's not even the worst. About a week or two later, my ex and I were at the beach and we were using edibles and we were playing in the waves. And Nosara has some of the biggest waves in the world. And I got caught in a riptide and I didn't know anything about riptides. So I got caught in a riptide. I was in over my head. I tried to swim against the tide, which you can't do because apparently they're stronger than an Olympic swimmer can even swim. And I lost use of my arms and legs. Mm -hmm. So I'm stuck in the middle of the ocean. There's waves crashing down over me. I lost use of my arms and legs. I'm starting to drown. So my ex had to swim back into shore. She had to do the backstroke to even get into the shore because it was so powerful. And then as everything, as like white, everything's starting to go white. Again, I heard that voice of my higher power saying, are you ready to live your purpose now? Because I'm not going to let you out of this water unless you're ready to live your purpose. And so finally a surfer rescued me, pulled me out of the water. I couldn't, I couldn't stand. I couldn't open my eyes. They had to rush me to the hospital. They put me on oxygen, put me on an IV. And, and I was at the hospital for a few hours. So after that experience, I did quit smoking cannabis for eight months, but then me and that ex broke up and I was feeling spiteful. I'm like, well, I only quit for her anyway. So I went back to cannabis and then, how went through these more more of these experiences and then here we are now you you've taught me a little bit about high magic something about that seems a little like some some there's some magic in there right even though they were negative mm -hmm. synchronicities so i think that's a great transition what is this yeah. high magic you talk about ricky that's yeah, a crazy yeah. story by the way i do want to say that's that's wild oh uh, thank, thank <laughs> you and happened. so high magic another name for it is holy magic and it's been, I tell myself, it's been suppressed and hidden for thousands of years. And when, when I hear about these miracles in the Bible or these miracles in Paramahamsa Yogananda talks about miracles, and we hear about the prophets, and Moses and the Buddha, and, and these, these spiritual 
healers and spiritual teachers, Mahatma Gandhi, I, I heard a story in Think and Grow Rich, how Mahatma Gandhi was able to unify two, 200 million people, you know, without, with, without any, like without forcing them to be unified. He did it through passive, passive away. So Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich said, I would call that a miracle. So high magic is like, it's miracle magic. So it's essentially, in my interpretation, it's unifying my consciousness with the consciousness of a higher power. So technically, all of the major world's religions are rooted in high magic, like Judaism, Christianity, even Islam. They're rooted in high magic practices, except they don't call it magic. They call it religion. But really, meditation, prayer, confession, being of service, donating, these are all high magic practices, even if an individual is not aware of that. The law of attraction is not quite high magic. I learned, I was mentored by a, a, a magician in 2015 who initiated me into ceremonial high magic. And he taught me about magic. And what I learned was that there are essentially three types of magic. There's black magic, gray magic, and white magic, or low, middle, and high magic. So black magic is the magic you hear about in the movies, curses, hexes, putting spells on people. But the idea is that whatever you put out comes back to you. So if you use magic to harm or to force someone else to do something, that will come back in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Middle magic or gray magic is like the secret or the law of attraction. Okay. It's about manifestation. It's about like attracting things to me. But with high magic or white magic, it's, it's based on the idea of a subjective reality versus an objective reality. So in an objective reality, you and I are both having this conversation on YouTube right now. And we're, you know, we're living in, in a world together. In subjective reality, you're in a dream and you're both the character experiencing the dream and you're the source of the dream and I'm a character in your dream. Mm. Or another yeah. way to put that is you're playing a video game, you're the player, you're creating your game world and I'm another character in your game contributing to your game experience. Okay. So high magic is essentially learning how to play the game as the player instead of the character. So you remember in the beginning I said, I'm not really Ricky Goodall, that's just the character I'm playing. So in my video game, I'm playing character Ricky, but really who I am is this higher self. And in, uh, in some mystic, mystic, mystical systems, they call it like the Christ self, or the okay. God self, or the yeah. Buddha self, or the, you know, the higher self. So high magic is basically learning how to surrender to the will of a higher self or a higher power. And the idea is that that higher self has a better plan for me than my ego does. So when you hear about ego death or, you know, surrendering the ego or taming the ego, those are, again, all high magic terms, basically. Yeah. So, wow, lots to impact there. I mean, I love that definition. That's so cool. It's like I'm thinking of all the ways this plays out in life. And so it seems a little more common, I think, than maybe the, the magic word kind of infers. I know in recovery groups, right, they say a big part of it is finding a higher power. That's kind of what a huge part of those, you know, recovery groups are about. And then I think, too, like I'm thinking like Lord of the Rings, right? Gandalf, white. Gandalf, the white, white magic. Right? The white magic. Exactly. He, exactly. The perfect. And I think it sounds like to, to me, both of us had that low, that low magic experience when we hit our rock bottoms. Right. Where we saw the karmic cause and effect. We do this. We have this. And I think it kind of goes into the middle one too, where we manifested negative things. So it almost seems to me like the middle magic is a bridge between the two. And like that, even in the high magic, you're still manifesting, right? Or how do you, how do you view those two? If 
Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I love what you said about the cause and effect and how when we were using cannabis, we were using low magic. Because if I imagine that there's a left-hand path, a right-hand path, and a middle path in terms of spirituality, I would imagine the left-hand path is sometimes associated with like Satanism or like uh, Luciferianism or all these different superstitious words. But what that basically means is chasing pleasure, chasing, chasing for the self alone, receiving for the self alone. <laughs> Far right path is like complete sacrifice, asceticism, you know, living as a monk, not experiencing any pleasure whatsoever, and then or, or very little pleasure. And then there's the middle path, which is like a perfect balance of the two, really. So I imagine that like Jesus or Buddha or Moses, a lot of these people in history, that they walked the middle path. So when you and I were chasing pleasure, we are experiencing suffering because the universe and our dopamine centers in our brain have to find balance. So, you know, chase it, short term pleasure leads to set suffering. Yep. Right, right. But if I if I if I chase short term suffering, like I meditate when I wake up in the morning, I go to bed, you know, I, I shut my phone off two hours before bed. I don't eat junk food every single day. If I'm willing to face my suffering intentionally, voluntarily, then I get to experience longer pleasure and more pleasure more often. So white magic or high magic is kind of the idea of, of sacrificing short-term gratification for long-term satisfaction, in, in my interpretation. So you're right, when we were like, when we were trying to take chances and we were selling weed, I, I sold weed too, I told you that, you know, I was, I was crushing it, but there was <laughs> constantly something wrong in my life. There was always yeah. some drama, some relationship problem, like my car would break down, or, you know, random things would happen. And since I've moved more into this, uh, what I imagine to be like a lifestyle of being in alignment with a higher power, being in alignment with a higher will or a higher way of living life, less and less and less suffering happens and the more pleasure happens. And, it, mm. and, and that pleasure seems to be easier and easier. Now I want to say like, I'm sharing like the philosophy of high magic and I'm sharing it this way because I want everyone to understand that they're all in, in a way a magician, whether they're low, medium or high is based on their understanding of, these laws and their fundamental universal laws, but there is an actual system or systems of high magic too, which include rituals and prayers and different practices that are related to raising consciousness. So and, and the simplest way, if you're living in alignment with a higher power, if you're living in alignment with nature, you're kind of practicing high magic. And there's a way to learn it at a deeper level as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, so many little, little hits of insight there. It's like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I when you were speaking, what was coming up, popping up in the brain were just different ways in my life that I'm, I'm still practicing low magic today. And then other ways I'm practicing high magic. And I'm sure you as well have those experiences, maybe the folks watching you as well. Uh, for example, let's just go with like dating, right? Like that can be a low magic activity. It's like can trying be. to get that pleasure, trying to get that dopamine hit. And then what comes after it? And we had a little session about it, suffering. <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's just like not getting that that fix. So uh that's like i'm really gonna think about that deeply here and uh over the next few days i'm like how how can all of these things that are low magic and that i guess that's a question for you how do you transition from low magic to high magic yeah i mean i think like they say uh the truth will set you free right you know so it's like carl Jung said until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you will call it fate so so really, it's like, and Carl Jung studied alchemy, which I, I tell myself is a form of high magic. So is Kabbalah or all these you know, different types of mysticism. So the idea is that my unconscious mind, my unconscious beliefs, my unconscious traumas, they're kind of running the show 
until I make them conscious and start to heal them. You know, they're kind of running the show for me. So when I chase validation through dating, that's kind of my trauma. It's usually related to my mother in my case or with a woman. And if she's chasing men, it could be related to her father or masculine relationships. So it's like if I don't resolve the high magic is essentially about unre, resolving the unresolved pain so that I can be free of the karmic cause and effect that it causes to, in my life. And I can see where my trauma is playing out in my life, my unprocessed pain, include not just trauma either, including guilt. Like you talked about the 12 steps. I would call the 12 steps one of the most powerful high magic rituals there is oh, wow. because it's got sacrifice, because it's got confession, because it's all about service, because it's about prayer and meditation. I tell myself like the five most powerful practices in high magic are prayer, meditation, confession, service, and sacrifice. And when I say sacrifice, it means letting go of cannabis. That's a sacrifice. You know, it was for you too. We had to let it go. And it's like, as much as I love it, or I tell myself I love it, letting it go leads to a whole other level of freedom that I couldn't possibly have experienced without it. And similarly, I recently, I had a, a deck of uh, tarot cards that I really loved. And a friend was here and she said, oh my God, I've been looking for those forever. I haven't been able to find them anywhere. They don't sell them anymore. Wow, you have a deck, like what are the chances? And at the end of our conversations here, you have them. And I, it was like, oh, it kind of hurt to give them away because there's, I've had them for years, but it was like a form of sacrifice for me, a form of detachment of like, I'm gonna let this thing go because it doesn't bring me happiness. What brings me happiness is connection with myself and with others and with my higher power, which is really what the 12 steps is about too. So these different rituals, like uh, like the 12 steps and like going to sobriety meetings or, or attending your community, these are rituals that lead to greater senses of happiness and health and, and well-being and connection with a higher power and connection with others. So I would call those high magic practices too. Okay, cool, cool. Well, that's really good to know that like you don't have to go do something crazy and like go hang out in a forest for like three years <laughs> to begin practicing. We're doing yeah. that every single day. Yeah, just being yeah. in service. Yeah, that's awesome. So, man, like, so Ricky, give us an update. Like, where are you now? Like, what what's going on? How's high magic playing a role in your life? Yeah, yeah. Th thanks for asking. So, again, like when I started high magic, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but when I was initiated into high magic, we were using plant medicines. We were using psilocybin mushrooms. Hmm. And my mentor smoked a lot of cannabis back then. We didn't use it in a ceremony, not very often, maybe at the end of the ceremony, but we would use psilocybin mushrooms. And so high magic is a powerful practice without anything it doesn't require anything else to be powerful but for a lot of my high magic career in the beginning i was using substances so i didn't really get to experience how powerful it was without them for a lot of that time because i was constantly same with meditation it's like when i was initiated into transcendental meditation they said you have to go without cannabis for 14 days without alcohol without cannabis and I understood why after 14 days, because my meditation was getting really deep and powerful mm -hmm. and it wasn't as powerful before that. So similarly with high magic, these rituals, there are specific rituals they are based in geometry. They're based on psychological archetypes. They're based on different energy points in the body. And so it's really working with the body's chemistry and the mind's way that the mind is, is built with psych psychological archetypes and geometry and, and, and things like this. And so, what I've been able to do now, now that I've let cannabis go, and I'm only I'm only almost my 30 day mark this coming Tuesday, yeah, which is great. And again, it's like when I when I took eight months off, I didn't feel as good as I feel now, mm -hmm. and I think it's because I did a Paris. Oh, maybe we'll tell that story. So, yeah. the day that you and I started working together, I started a parasite cleanse, 
and I was gonna stop smoking weed. And I kind of decided that day that I might smoke weed. And I started the parasite cleanse and I prayed to God and I said, God, I want you to use these herbs, which are three special herbs to kill all the parasites, to cleanse me of all different parasites, mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. So if I have any other things to cleanse me of, please use these herbs for that purpose. And you and I had a conversation. And that night I tore my bicep at kickboxing yeah. and found out that I had to go into surgery. So then for the next week, I continued to smoke weed. And, and then once the surgery happened, I tried to keep smoking weed, but then it was like, it was just getting harder. And it was like trying to run through mud. It was like getting harder and harder and harder. So with this sling on, it was really tempting. And I've had it on for almost six weeks. I get to take it off on Tuesday. It was really tempting to slip into a victim mindset and continue to use cannabis. But I was like, no, this doesn't make sense. It's like doing a parasite cleanse. Like, why would I detox my whole body and continue to use cannabis? And it's difficult to eat the food that I'm supposed to be eating when I'm using cannabis because I want to eat all the other stuff, mm -hmm. all, the, all the junk food, all the different yeah. dopamine releasing foods. So it really made it more difficult. But what I noticed now that I'm hitting the, almost that 30 day mark is I'm practicing my rituals every day, which I wasn't doing when I was using cannabis. I'm practicing a morning ritual that's pretty consistent. I have an evening ritual now also, which I wasn't doing with cannabis. Well, that's not true. My evening ritual is smoke weed and usually lay in my bed and meditate and spend like two hours meditating. But really all I was doing was laying in that high haze. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, again, I'm grateful for all the experiences I had. I had lots of creativity during those times. I wrote lots of music while I was high. And in, speaking of which, I, I'm writing more music now that I'm not high mm -hmm. than I was when I was high. And I had this idea that I needed to smoke weed to be creative. Wow. I needed to smoke weed to, to, to write music. But now I'm doing magic rituals in the morning and in the evening, along with meditation and prayer and breath work, and, which are all high magic practices too. And my creativity is through the roof. My mm -hmm. optimism and my happiness is through the roof. And even when I face challenges now, I've got this like, underlying current of happiness and almost like humor with whatever I'm facing. I'm just like, you know, whereas when I was using cannabis, I also had shame and guilt, this undercurrent mm -hmm. of shame and guilt all the time. If something happened in my family, I'd feel the shame and guilt of using cannabis. If, you know, if I wasn't making the money I wanted to make, if a client didn't say yes to me, if, if some kind of challenge happened in my life, I would also have that guilt and shame of using cannabis at the same time. And that wasn't always there. When I made the decision to use cannabis and didn't feel guilty and ashamed about it, it wasn't really there. But once I decided, once I knew that it was time to let go, then that shame and that guilt started becoming more and more amplified and I couldn't ignore it after a while. Mm -mm -mm, man, mm, that's powerful. I, I'm so happy you're experience, experiencing benefits. And it's kind of crazy to me that, you know, Tuesday is your 30 day mark and you get your sling off. Like if that's not mm -hmm. symbolic, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's like coming full circle. And, you know, guys, this is like, it's really, I think one thing that I really took out of this, Ricky, is that you are, you have motivation now. You're doing the things that you need to do to get, to get better, right? Uh, people that smoke weed and quit and then don't do anything about it after I find, I see that those people have a long, have a struggle, uh, you know, finding peace. So the fact that you're doing all those things, right, the meditation, the, the, the prayer, all that stuff on a more amplified level, like that's really the key, guys, is you have to start getting into things that uh, are going to, you know, nourish that soul, nourish that creativity, help you uh, unleash that creative potential that maybe has been dormant for a while.
I remember, I, so I produced music as well. And I thought I was making God's gift when I was high, man. I'm like, dude, this is like, I'm, I'm going to Ultra Miami, dude, to play. And then I would have <laughs> friends over and they would like hear the song and then they would just be like, they wouldn't even move. <laughs> it was so bad. And then I got sober and I'm like, you know, this isn't very good. <laughs> so I think it, you know, being sober too, it'll, it, it helped me see the truth. And I think you're at a different point of your evolution to where you know how to make music already and stuff. But when I started, I was like, I am really bad at making music. <laughs> I thought I was like fantastic. So I will say though, that over time, my creativity has just absolutely blossomed as well. Like this whole YouTube channel came from just, you know, Hey, it would be fun to make YouTube videos. Like I'll give it a shot. Right. And so, uh, what are, I guess, what are some other benefits, um, that, that you've experienced Ricky besides? Yeah. Well, first of all, the music thing, again, it's like, I told you before we started the call that I've always, I've had a dream my whole life to be a front man singer, to like be a singer and to lead people through singing. And my dad sang and played music, but he, he, he played and performed a lot when he was younger, but he never really had the courage to go for it. And I've always wanted to go for it. My brother too. And he's a great musician. He's also in recovery now too. And since I stopped smoking cannabis, my voice has expanded mm. where I have greater lung capacity, which is vital for singing. Got to get to be able to breathe well to sing. And my throat's not hurting all the time from smoking weed. Mm. So it's like I'm able to sing in a way I've never been able to sing before. So I'm actually discovering this, this talent that I never really knew I had. And I dreamed that I had it, but I never really knew I had it. And another thing I want to say is like you, you suggested some supplements and, and I was moving in the direction of some of those supplements anyway. And our body has a pharmacy inside of it. You know, breath work, I get really high from breath work. Cold therapy as well. I haven't been able to do cold therapy or really any exercise since this sling has been on, except for walking. It's the only thing I'm allowed to do. So there's a whole other level of high that I'm going to get to next week when I can go back to the gym and go back to the cold therapy, do cold plunges and things like this. So, so doing like cold therapy and breath work and exercise and supplementation there's a whole other level of getting high available to me without that drop. Another sober coach, I know I told you this already, but another sober coach I know said that when we smoke weed, we pay twice because mm -hmm. we pay yeah. for the weed and then we pay with the hangover. But when mm -hmm. we do things like meditation, we pay once, we put the effort in and then we get the high afterwards. Exercise works the same way or cold plunge or breath work. It's like the effort I put in on the front end becomes the benefit on the back end. Whereas with cannabis, there's effort on the front end and effort in the back end because I got to pick myself up the next day and try to go on with work or in my case, just get high again because I'm constantly trying to catch up from the dopamine dump and the poor yeah. sleep. And you know, it's like my dreams are wild lately, which you and I talked about, about you know the REM sleep trying to catch up, the brain's trying to catch up to not being able to dream for a long time. My dreams are wild lately. And my sleep is not that great either because of the parasite but I'm okay. still way more rested than I was when I was smoking weed. Wow. You know, significantly wow. more rested. God, yeah, sleep is so important. And and I like that uh, you pay twice, right? Even with sleep, like you, you stay up, you go out, you spend the money for the cab or whatever for the event. And then, so you pay that fee and then you pay the fee of being hung over the next day because of lack of sleep. And I, I, I just love that. Yeah, if you just do the, the hard thing in the moment, it may be hard in the moment, but, uh, the long-term effects will be way worth it. And meditation is something that had really helped me get sober too. I think I started about man, a few days, honestly, before I quit marijuana. And I think just those first few meditations was enough to make me see more clearly because 
um, the way I see meditation is it helps you see those parts of yourself and those thoughts from an objective view. So the thought that's saying, hey, it's time to go smoke weed. Hey, this is who you are. Weed's a part of your life. You're like, wait a sec. That's not me. That's just a thought. What if I don't listen to it? What if I don't give it any power or attention? Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait. And then there's this whole nother world that just opens up like, whoa, I could go do this and this and this and this and have all this joy and freedom that I always actually wanted. So I think meditation is a huge thing to get into. Uh, it, it, like I had a meditation this morning and it kicked my day off right. I know that when I don't meditate in the morning, my breathing is very mouth breathing. And if I spend that 15 minutes in the morning before I even start my day, before I look at my phone and I do the nostril breathing, I can always come back to that throughout the day and I'm much more calm, centered, focused, and I enjoy life more. So I really appreciate that you brought up meditation as like a really high magic activity. Um, I want to, I want to ask like, and, and I think, you know, we've talked about this behind the scenes, like what is kind of your plan going forward with high magic and, and bringing it to the mm. world? Yeah. I, well, first of all, when I first started high magic, I was scared to even tell people that I did it. You know, I was scared of being judged and criticized. And uh, when I post something about it on my Facebook, I might have people uh, that, that have deeply different views kind of calling me out for it. There's a lot of uh, what I imagine to be like propaganda or superstition or fear around what high magic is. The term high magic wasn't actually created until the 1800s by a former Catholic priest. Hmm. So, so he was the one that termed the, the, coined the term high magic. So some people think, well, high magic is evil because they say not to practice magic in the Bible. So, well, the magic that they're talking about wasn't actually called magic for another 1800 years. So the magic that I imagine they're talking about in the Bible makes sense, which is probably black magic or sorcery is what they call in the Bible. And my understanding is these types of magic are about manipulation. They're about forcing others to do things. They're about putting spells on people and changing their perspectives and, and changing their reality and, and trying to manipulate them. So it makes sense that that magic would be forbidden. To me, it makes sense at least. But high magic wasn't really called high magic. So when I hear about like the prophets in the Bible, like Elijah or Elisha or Moses, Moses threw his staff down, it turned into a snake. He, you know, he parted the Red Sea as well. You know, it's like with high magic, I'm praying and asking for something and then experiencing it. So it's different than uh, than than the uh, the other types of magic that we hear about in these superstitions and movies. So what I'm doing is I notice that there is one other guy who's talked about high magic quite a bit. His name's Damien Eccles, and he was wrongly convicted of murder, and he would spend 18 years on death row. He was they were gonna they were gonna murder him basically in jail, and he spent a lot of that time in solitary confinement. And he because he had been practicing magic in his hometown, a kid went missing. And they blamed him and his two friends because him and his two friends all practice magic. I think that's how the story goes. So it turns out he didn't he didn't actually do it. And he claims that he used high magic to be able to get off death row and have the right person caught, basically. Even though the person was never finally convicted, but they were able to get new evidence that showed that he wasn't actually the person and it was somebody else. And he claims high magic helped him do that. So he's kind of a he's the only other real big authority in high magic in the world that I've seen. So he's doing lots of great stuff. He's got lots of great videos on YouTube. If you're interested, I encourage you to check him out. And what he's not doing is something that I'm doing. And what I'm doing is creating digestible, easy to understand content and courses that help somebody get started. And so one that I'm releasing literally today, today's the new moon, which is, I'm glad we're doing it on this day too. The new moon, it's a solar eclipse. 
uh, in magic, that's believed to be a powerful time to set new intentions and to set something new in, into motion. And so I've just released a program called the Path of the Higher Self. So this is a 21-day self-initiation ritual. So it takes an individual through the process of initiating themselves into magic, but it also helps them understand how to heal themselves using magic. Because all, all of our current scientific, religious, and education systems are built on magic. Chemistry comes from alchemy, which is an ancient form of magic. Physics comes from Kabbalistic and Hermetic theories, which are, again, ancient forms of magic. Psychology, Carl Jung was a psychologist. Sir Isaac Newton, or, or an alchemist, rather. Sir Isaac Newton was also an alchemist. So the founding father of physics and the founding, one of the founding fathers of psychology, they were both high magicians. So our entire scientific system is built on high magic. It's just it eventually got to the point where science wants to prove things. And the challenge with magic is that if I don't believe something's going to work, then my intention affects it. Now, quantum science has supported that idea, but science doesn't fully adopt that idea yet. So what that means is if I try to prove that magic works with the intention of proving it doesn't work, then I'm going to prove it doesn't work because that's how quantum science works. If I'm trying to prove it does work, then quantum science tells me that I'll probably prove it does work. And there are some great books out there about high magic. One's called Supernormal. He doesn't even use the term magic in it. He uses the term mysticism, and he focuses more on yoga. But he talks about all the miracles that these yogis have performed, that he studied and tracked the results. And so what I'm doing is kind of making high demystifying high magic, so to speak. So in the program that I'm releasing today, The Path to Higher Self, and I'll put the link in my name here in a moment, in this program, I'm basically helping the individual understand how to heal themselves from all sorts of different types of traumas and uh, unprocessed pain from the past and helping them understand how it actually applies to life. So again, for example, we talked about it earlier. If you're struggling in your relationships with women, chances are it's unprocessed pain from childhood. If you're struggling in your relationship with money, unprocessed pain from childhood. If you're struggling in your health or your self-esteem or your happiness or your ability to believe in your dreams, unprocessed pain from childhood. <laughs> it's, all, it's all basically the same thing. So I kind of helped the, the, the uh, initiate understand how magic, how to be great at magic, I have to kind of imagine I'm playing a video game. That life is like a video game. Reality is not physical like I think it is. It's a holographic simulation. It's like, and qu again, quantum science kind of supports this idea with the double slit experiment, the Copenhagen interpretation, all these different, uh, in, in these theories support this idea. And so when they join this program, they also get a uh, copy of my book, which I sent to you, The, the Way of the Garden, uh, a human, uh, Hero's Journey from the Human to the Higher Self. And again, I break all this stuff down. So I help them understand the psychology of magic and how to apply it to their lives. Oh, very cool, man. And I want to say uh, your book's fantastic. I've been reading it. So thank you thank again you. for sending that. It's, uh, it's, it's a very cool way to look at the world that I think, you know, it's, it's not complex. It's not it's magical, but it's not, it's very practical at the same time. Hmm. And yeah, so guys definitely like hit, hit Ricky up for, for any of that. And he took me through a session uh, recently on kind of some of that inner child healing and working with kind of some of those wounds from the mother wound, the, the father wound, all that stuff from the past. And it was really powerful. So, you know, I, I really recommend um, taking some time and investigating this for yourself, seeing if, you know, there are some things that are in, in you that are affecting your life today that, it once addressed could maybe provide from some freedom. And I will say it's not easy work. So 
you know, we talk about this lightly because we've gone through it. However, it can be very scary and difficult to face. So finding someone that has gone through it as well and that is uh, essentially a safe person, a trustworthy person that can help guide you through that non-judgmentally um, is going to be really helpful and key to to really overcoming it. Um, giving yourself that permission to to be vulnerable with somebody and open up. I know that word gets thrown a lot around a lot today, but it's really true. And uh, the more I find I can be vulnerable with myself and people, the more freedom I find uh, within my life and with others. So one question I did have for you, Ricky, about high magic is that like all the stuff in the, you know, YouTube and stuff today say like, you got to go out, you got to make it happen. It's it's in your hands. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have like, a, I think it sounds to me like a little bridge where you have like law of attraction manifest. But even some of that seems like you're still implying your own will to get something in return. We, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. That. And there's a question in the comment section. I'll get to in a minute about Gabor Mate. I actually wrote about him in my book. Uh, so with with high magic, it's like there are some important important things. Like like intention is everything. So if I want to manifest money and I think I'm just going to sit home and meditate and money's going to show up, maybe if I have a strong enough will, maybe that will happen. I'm not. I think everything's possible, but it'll happen even quicker if I go out and take action. Same with law of attraction. It's like. If I want to manifest a soulmate partner, but I'm not talking to women, well, I'm making it harder. You know, the universe is going to do so much for me. And with high magic, I might be able to really accelerate that process, speed it up even more. But if I don't get out and do something, if I don't take some action, then it's going to be a slower process or maybe not at all. Mm. And so that's an important aspect of high magic is that I set the I use magic to really I mean, neuro-linguistic programming is a form of high magic. In my, in my interpretation, self-hypnosis is a form of high magic or auto-suggestion, which we hear about in Think and Grow Rich. These are forms of high magic, uh, in my, again, in my interpretation, because they're about changing the subconscious mind. So, Because up to 95% of my decisions every day are unconscious, and they're rooted in my core beliefs, which I started forming in childhood which uh, the, the person asked about Dr. Gabor Mate. I said, yeah, Dr. Gabor Mate tells us we're born with two fundamental needs, the need to be accepted and the need to be authentic. So in other words, the need to belong and be loved and the need to be myself. But at some point in my early childhood, like for example, if I'm crying and my mother doesn't pick me up right away, if I'm being authentic and I feel rejected for being authentic, I may sacrifice my authenticity for acceptance. And that's when I start the pattern of sacrificing my true authentic self so that I can be someone else to get love, which I mentioned at the beginning of our call. So what I've done with the, the path of the higher self, again, the link is in, in under my name there. You can uh, you can pick it up there. Not only am I teaching all of this stuff about childhood programming and how to change it and how it works and how it affects our life, but I'm also putting you in a community of other people who are going through this as well. So we have regular calls. We have biweekly calls. We have a WhatsApp group, a private WhatsApp group with all the members where they connect with each other. Because cool. again, when I was going through this journey, I was by myself. I yeah. didn't have anyone else except for my mentor. And then he eventually moved away. So I didn't have anyone that I could connect with, that I could talk to about this stuff. And it was really difficult for me to believe it. Aristotle said the mind has a mechanism of self-contradiction. So that means that I could experience a miracle in this moment, but in time it's going to start to fade away and I might even forget it altogether. You know, so I really have to keep that, keep the magic alive in okay. me through community 
and through, which is why you have your community, right? It's like sobriety is difficult when you're by yourself, but when you're in a community, once I connected with you and you and I continued to talk to each other regularly, sober sobriety became really easy after that. Because before that, I am the average of the five people I spend the most time around. And I was surrounded by people who smoke weed. Uh -huh. I, didn't, I didn't have anyone outside of that circle who is sober. And then once I met you and you're living a sober life and, and, you're, and you're thriving, you're in Mexico now too. You know, we're living the lives that a lot of people in my life used to dream of. And now I'm living that life. And so are you. So, so once I saw that, okay, if Joel can do it, I can do it. And so similarly with magic, when I see hear, hear other people's success stories, I think, okay, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. And so that's a big part of the community is, is really bringing, bringing people together and, and, and creating a, a movement of people that are doing this work. Yeah. Your community is so important, right? And they, they talk about them in 12 steps. Uh, they talk about service or recovery groups. They talk about service, uh, higher power, and community. And it's like yeah. those three that yeah. make the pillar, the triangle, because, yeah. yep, you need it. And like, I'm so happy I met you because now I feel like I have a new community already forming and, and you're a part of that. And it just, it does something you might, you know, you might, you might notice it very intensely in the beginning. And then over time it may fade a little bit. That's what I found for myself anyway. And then I'm just like, wait a sec, I can go to any of these guys and ask any question. And one of them is going to have an answer. And then at the same time, I can give those answers as well. And it just, it elevates you in a level that is, it's really hard to describe. And, you know, I think a good example is if you've ever been on a sports team and you've ever, you know, had success there. Um, maybe you've had a group of friends, right? right? Like we're meant to be with people. Like, and what's special about today is that yeah, you can connect with people all over the world. We're here in Mexico City, or I'm in Mexico City, you're in Tulum. It's just like, and we're, we're having this amazing conversation. So I really like too how you put that, the, the truth of what they're talking about on the internet is you have to take action. Mm -hmm. And something very, kind of very important in that I'm thinking about what you were saying too about you know that childhood trauma, and let's see, elusive here uh, asked he talked about childhood trauma and how it leads to things like addiction, not just drugs but work. A memory came up for me when I was a little kid, and I wanted to go to a birthday party with them, some really close friends in school. Like I wasn't like super popular, I wasn't good at sports, so um, I had my friends and we would just play video games and do stuff. And uh, my mom didn't like those kids. You know, judge, judged them, thought they were lesser because um, they came from poorer families, and I wasn't allowed to go, and it was just devastating. And so, I think ever since then, I've had this idea: if ever there's something I really want to do in life, I should put work first, and I should put, you know, pleasing whoever the authority figure is in the situation. And so, I really appreciate uh, Luce of you asking this question because or posing this comment because it, it, it unlocks something for me. And this is like just another example of community, right? <laughs> You're just talking stuff. And, and um, next thing you know, somebody uh, says something that might shift the direction of your life, even if it's just a phrase. Uh, so that, yeah, guys, I really recommend going and hitting up Ricky, checking out the community. Um, can you give some more, like just once again, just a detailed example of how to, to, to connect with you and all that? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so the, the easiest way is through this program. So again, the link's under my name there. It's rickygoodall.com forward slash higher self. It's $49 right now. Oh, I mean, I've spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars literally learning this stuff and, and going through coaching, going through healing, traveling to Mexico and Peru and Costa Rica and training under different healers and being initiated in different lineages. So basically what this program is going to give you is, is a 21 day process of high magic rituals, disciplines and practices. It's teaching multiple types of breath work that, that can literally stimulate 
DMT in the brain, natural psychedelic compounds in the nervous system in the brain. There are different rituals that you're going to learn. There are different uh, self-healing exercises that help you go through all of these processes. And if you join the WhatsApp community, you can even connect with other members and work with somebody in the community for free. They hold space for you. You might hold space for them and work with other people in the community. And that's all part of it. Like I'm checking my phone and it's at the point now where I don't even have to comment in there anymore. People are posting stuff and, and having their own conversations and communication. And I have a limit to how many people I can bring into the program because WhatsApp only supports, I think it's like 250 people or something like that at okay. this time. And, and they're expanding. So I'm going to cap it at probably 250 and then change it to something else or, or uh, move on from there. So and so $49 is what it's at right now. Again, it's 21 days, but you can take your own time. You don't have to do it in 21 days, but you can do it in as little as 21 days. And then at the end of the program, you get directions uh, where I walk you through the entire process on an MP3 file to, to set up your own high magic ceremony. So that includes learning how to open a sacred space, learning how to op uh, set up an altar, learning how to perform different rituals that raise your consciousness, learning how to connect with your higher power, learning how to understand the, the so sound of your own intuition, your own inner voice, and learning the dimensions of our consciousness, which I've learned. There, there, some, of the, some people in the spiritual community have said things like, oh, we're fifth dimensional beings. And I always used to think that was woo-woo, just nonsense. But I've actually learned that there's actually some science behind it. Mm -hmm. And, the, and the, the dimensions are our mental dim dimension, which is like our beliefs, our thoughts, and our words. There's our emotional dimension, which is our feelings, pain and pleasure. There's our spiritual dimension, which is our faith and our fear, our connection with a higher power or our lack of it. There's our physical dimension, which is my actual physical body. And then there's my consciousness, which encompasses it all. So we really are fifth dimensional beings. We have five fingers. We have five points. We have our head, our arms, our legs, five toes, you know, five, five fingers, five fingers, five toes. So we're literally fifth dimensional. It's all throughout our body. And so I, I teach these ancient geometrical symbols, there are two specifically, and they're on the cover of my book, and how they're essentially embedded in the fabric of reality and how all of reality can be broken down into these two very basic geometrical symbols that help us understand our consciousness. And again, as Carl Jung said, when you make the unconscious conscious uh, or until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So the whole point of this program is to help you raise your consciousness and bring the darkness to the light, bring your unconscious to, to consciousness to transform your reality from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Healing happens just by going through the program. It happens automatically. And then if somebody needs deeper support, there's a whole community to support them, including myself. And there, there are deeper levels we can get to. And your community, of course, too, which again, if, if anyone's interested in getting sober, that's going to be the easiest way to do so because being in a community of sober people, just like being in a community of magicians, is going to help somebody get to the next level. When I was a mixed martial arts fighter, I was surrounded by other mixed martial arts fighters. It's the only way I could get great. And similarly, as a musician, now I'm surrounding myself with other musicians. And being in the sobriety university is another way, being that the sobriety community is another way to make sure I'm surrounding myself with other people who are thriving at higher levels. Oh, brother. Uh, mm. Got me pumped, man. Like, absolutely, guys. Like, and I think if you're trying to get sober and, and you're going through that process, I think going through Ricky's Ricky's course here could be very powerful because, you know, you might see some things, uh, see some re objective realities that you have not been aware of that could really help you maybe step into that next step of getting sober or, you know, finding a different relationship with substances. Um, you know, we've had people on this channel that are able to use occasionally different substances. So it's not like, you know, it's like, okay, you're, you're sober, you're not sober. 
boom. It's like, you're going to find what works for you. For me, I have to go completely opposite because the way my mind works is that if I get a little taste, I'm like full send. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something mm -hmm. I've accepted. And it's a reality that I'm living in. Um, however, your reality is going to be your reality. And I think going in through this program with Ricky could be a great uh, step for you. And then also, like you said, finding that community. And so like, as you guys can see on the bottom, like really have been excited to launch this community in this last week. And it's been awesome. Um, Ricky's a part of it. Uh, we're, it's just, it's just so cool to wake up every morning and to know that there's a group of people that are, that have the same vision, have the same focus, have the same things, very similar things in life that I'm looking forward to and that I can, you know, be in touch with. Um, we also have recently launched the men of now community. So Ricky, you have also been on that channel. Uh, it's a dating, it's a men's dating and development channel. So I can really, I really invite you guys to check that out as well. Um, I can put a link here shortly to check that out. And basically it's, it's really cool because it's a combination of not just addiction recovery, but business, it's uh, dating, it's fitness. It's like how to just maximize your life as a man in 2023 when, you know, life is telling you you should be a certain way. There's a group of people that are like, you know, I kind of see through this matrix a little bit. It's not quite what, you know, the news is telling me or X, Y or Z. And so guys like Ricky are a part of it. Um, mm -hmm. And going to be really, really pivotal to become more of a, a masculine leader in your life, uh, whether it's for your family, whether it's for uh, your community, whether it's for yourself. And I know that myself being surrounded by masculine men, guys that are on their mission, um, women that are in their feminine and trying to be, you know, work on themselves, be an active participant in their lives has really changed my life. And it's taking me to a higher level of consciousness. And there's an adjustment period. So we'll say, we'll say that like, it's not going to be easy as, as we've been talking about, but you know, we're here for you guys and we want the best for you. So, uh, we're going to dive into some comments here before wrapping up and really appreciate everybody who's tuned in today. Um, we have the, the homie, uh, I can't pronounce your name, but uh, we've connected on, on YouTube recently and he's been reaching out in the comments and um, it's great to have you here. And uh, once again, we'd love to have you on the channel for a, for a podcast, just like with Ricky. If, if that's something you're interested, you can email me at uh, joel at sobrietyuniversity.com and we can set something up. So I uh, really appreciate your engagement. Um, elusive as well. Um, don't know you, brother, but because you're elusive, but you seem like a cool <laughs> dude. And uh, uh, we really appreciate you having you as well. And um, same to, to Jay Ray. Thank you, brother. Um, it means a lot that you tuned in. Well, we'll dive into this last comment. We must explore shadow and look at it in the eyes so that we can understand it instead of suppressing it and eventually be able to incorporate it in constructive ways. Mm. Yeah. Ricky, would you like to touch on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. And I want to I want to comment on the thing you said about being completely abstinent and, and uh, from substances. And for me, I'm similarly, it's like cannabis is a no go for me. This is not even possible. This is not even possible. Uh, I forgot to tell you this, actually, maybe I intentionally hit it. But a couple okay. weeks ago, I, I had two glasses of wine. Okay. And I was like, uh, one glass was like, oh, it tastes good. It's kind of nice. And the second one was like, eh, this is too much. And the next day I felt like crap. And I was like, okay, I think my limit for wine might be like that or none. You know, but but one thing I do enjoy using is is psilocybin mushrooms in a responsible way, in a respectful way. I have deep. I was initiated as a shaman in 2014 in Cusco, Peru. I have a deep respect for plant medicines, and cannabis is a plant medicine, but it's different. Shamans say it's sticky. She sticks to you, and she convinces you you need her so that you can keep using her. That's according to the shaman. So, and that's the experience I had, and I think you had too. But yeah. mushrooms for me, I was going to use mushrooms yesterday, actually. 
And I decided not to, because again, it's like, I want to optimize my dopamine centers. I want to optimize my neurology. I want to get high AF naturally, <laughs> as naturally as I can. And, and if something really intense comes up and I feel like mushrooms are going to be valuable for me to, to kind of dive in and do some really deep trauma healing work, which I think they're really great for, then I might use them again in the future. But right now it's like, I'm listening to what my body needs. And instead of using mushrooms to process the thing that I wanted to process, I just used myself and I contacted you and I contacted some friends and had some conversations. And the next thing I knew I was feeling amazing. So I didn't even need to do that. And then the, the risk with using something like mushrooms is the, is the dump I can feel sometimes the next day. Right, where I feel like, you know, I feel like a, I've got a dump in, in dopamine and then I crave junk food. I might crave cannabis. So there's that risk as well. So I encourage people to, again, listen to themselves, like you said earlier. But I think you and I, when it comes to cannabis, it's obvious. You know, it's like it needs to be abstinence. It's like that one thing that I need to accept that I have to let go of. And I can't see I don't I can't see into the future that far. Maybe someday I change my mind. But I went eight months before and you you changed my life with this comment. I went eight months. I wasn't feeling good. I thought, well, nothing's ever going to change. I'm going to feel like crap forever. I might as well start using cannabis again. And I did. But then you helped me understand that sometimes it takes up to two years before a person starts to feel good. I was like, oh, darn, I didn't take two years. I didn't really have evidence to know that I am not going to eventually get there. And I actually feel like I'm kind of there now. But, you know, it's like, again, it's like after two years, maybe then I'll have a better idea to look. So in terms of that comment you mentioned about, exploring the shadow it's like yeah that's it that's the secret it's like if we can if we can have the courage like you said earlier to be vulnerable it can change everything yeah. oh, absolutely man and you know like, and I, I don't say this to be negative it's it's the truth it's not easy and it it is it can be easy at times and it can be very difficult at times so mm -hmm. you know if this is something you're going through like it just embrace it full send. There's things today that I'm having to face of my shadow that I really would rather not look at. <laughs> I know that going through it and finding people that can help me like Ricky, finding guys through the Men and Now community, through the Sorority University community, they're helping me get it in a non-judgmental way. And that's that's really what I find is so important about finding the right group of people. Like not people that are just going to rip you to shreds for having feelings or make fun of you or call you stupid or whatever. Like people that are really gonna, just going to be like, yeah, dude, I hear you. I'm with you. Um, I've been through it too. And that's something I look to embody in my life too, that non-judgmental attitude. I still have it sometimes and that's my shadow that I'm working on and well, it's going to, it's going to take some time. And um, I think finding a mentor too, can be very helpful. And, and, you know, to transition out of, out of the stream, we have a stream on the Men of Now podcast this afternoon in a couple hours with my personal mentor. I met him through 12 or uh, uh, recovery for work, work addiction, like, crazy, right? Um, I was telling him about my dating journey and he's been on one too. So he's really been helping me kind of navigate that that path for me. And uh, we talk maybe once a week and he's just, you know, I just love talking to him. He's just such a great human being. Uh, he's, he's a lot older too. So he's been through the ringer and he's also, you know, in, in recovery for a lot of stuff. So guys, check that out on the Man of Now channel. That is going to be a really one. Actually, it's going to be on the Sorority University channel too. So you can just hang out here for a bit. Uh, it's, I'm really excited to talk to him and kind of get his perspective on some things um, and to be able to share with you. So that being said, uh, mentorship, again, very important. If that's something you're interested in, uh, I know Ricky and I, we both do coaching and we'd be happy to, you know, sit down with you and, and help you find a way to, you know, overcome some of those demons. And so you can hit us both up on those get rid of this one quick uh yeah but on my website i'm ricky can they find you for coaching on your website 
as well. Yeah, well, not not there, but basically my email, let me put it in here. It's just Ricky at Ricky Goodall. So I'll put it in here. Just one moment here. And there's something else you said that I wanted to touch on before we finish, but I don't recall it right now. But uh, Oh, yeah, about the vulnerability thing. So you know, I've been through 21 mixed martial arts fights. And if you're somebody who's facing those parts of yourself, if you're facing that, that darkness, if you're doing that deep work, I can tell you that I've had more men that have fought professionally turn it down out of fear than than I've seen actually go in that 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 direction. So if you're willing to do the deep work on yourself, you have more courage than an MMA than a lot of MMA fighters do, and a lot of people in general. It's like it's it's challenging. It takes courage, real courage, to cry and release emotions in the face parts of ourselves. But there's so much freedom on the other side of it beyond anything we can imagine. I think I would still rather do the healing than get punched in the face. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So if you're, yeah, if you think if you think it's like it's too much, it's like yeah, it, it is scary, but it's 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 the, it's the best work there is. It's the most important work there is, I think. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Um, so, guys, once again, thank you for coming in, uh, Ricky. Thank for thank you for coming in today. Thanks for having uh, me. Really appreciate it. And you will. This will not be the last time you see Ricky, and we will be doing more, much more stuff later. So, um, thank you everyone again for tuning in. Uh, drop your questions below. Reach out if you have any questions, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Peace. See you guys.